This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Sports Better's Paradise here on the Bet Rivers Network YouTube channel. We continue our college football conference previews today. The ACC, the 14 team league, and Bruce Marshall of the Gold Sheet, who I've worked with for over 25 years, joins me right now. Bruce, you were in Charlotte for ACC Media Days. Yes, I was. And you can imagine a lot of the discussion there was what's going to happen to the ACC moving forward after you know the USC-UCLA move to the Big Ten, uh, which happened about a week before the ACC uh, had their media days. Last year, uh, during media days, was when Oklahoma and Texas announced the move to the SEC. So it was interesting. Jim Phillips, the commissioner, most of his the questions to him and his discussions uh, when he addressed the, the – uh, the media day, the, the, the press there, where it was about the future of the conference and what's going to happen. Um, one thing, it won't be this year. They're still in the Atlantic and the Coastal Division alignments this year. Next year, it's going to be just one big league. They're going to change the, the scheduling like they're going to do in the SEC, too, and the Pac-12 or Pac-10, whatever it's going to be. But most of the questions were about the future of the league and where the ACC fits in. And I think there's some genuine concern there What about Clemson and and Florida State and Miami and what might happen. One note, though, they do have that uh, media rights deal through 2036. And um, from what we're hearing, a lot of the schools, some of the schools have been into Greensboro trying to figure out, is there a way to get out of this thing? It cost Maryland a lot of money several years ago to get out. So it it ain't that easy to break a media rights deal when you give your media rights over to the league. So it's an adjustment period for the ACC. On the field, uh, boy, this conference is loaded with quarterbacks. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, you know, Manny Diaz and his staff would probably still be there had they started the season uh, with Van Dyke uh, at quarterback. Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, I mean, 4,300 yards. I mean, Buku touchdowns to interception. Malik Cunningham uh, was a 1,000-yard rusher and had a bunch of yards rushing and improved his passing numbers as well. Jerkovich in and out of the line of the Notre Dame transfer at Boston College. He's a good quarterback. Devin Leary was outstanding for NC State last year. Brennan Armstrong uh, for Virginia. He might be carrying the load by himself. You notice I didn't mention the most highly recruited player of these quarterbacks, DJ Ongalele of Clemson, who threw more interceptions and touchdowns last year. Yeah, he was a big disappointment. And, you know, that Atlantic division where Clemson is at, you mentioned some of those other guys. Every school has their quarterback returning in the Atlantic. It really is a quarterback's league this year. And, you know, you mentioned Yurkovich. I mean, he might be the highest draft pick out of this whole bunch. And, of course, Van Dyke, who had, you know, just a little over half a season last year. But, man, did he impress. He's in the other half of the league in the Coastal. But that Atlantic division is loaded. Quarterbacks everywhere starters in every in every locale coming back so yeah this is the quarterbacks league this year and certainly uh that atlantic half is really the quarterback division in college football 
uh, and uh, and Van Dyke, uh, he he may put up some really big numbers. Maybe a consideration for a bomb forty forty five to one at uh, Bet Rivers to win the Heisman. I think so. I mean, you, you, there's there's three guys who I thought were worth uh, bomber prices, and Van Dyke was one. You mentioned another one is Sam Hartman at Wake. He, you're, you're looking at him at around 50. I mean, he put up 39 TD passes last year. I mean, it's remote that either of those two guys could leapfrog, you know, Stroud or, 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 or Bryce Young if they don't get hurt this year. But um, they could certainly make a run at things. Maybe Dorian Thompson-Robinson, UCLA. We'll talk about the Pac-12 later. Uh, but definitely Van Dyke at 40-1. to 1. I mean, he looked so good. And you could tell Manny was very uh, – or Mario was very excited about the chance to coach Van Dyke. Remember, he had Justin Herbert a couple of years ago at Oregon. So he's – you know, he's, he's used to coaching good quarterbacks, and he was raving about Van Dyke, as you and I were, too, because we saw him play last year, and he was really good. I mean, uh, the last six games, he threw for 300 yards, over 300 yards in all of them. Um, I mean, the three losses combined. Forget Bama. Nobody beats Bama. They played them early. But uh, the other three losses were a combined eight points. Uh, this is a team that was – Really, really close. It's kind of a, you know, where Cristobal comes in. This is not a bare cupboard by any stretch. No, it's not at all. And uh, one of the wins was at Pitt. That was the only game Pitt lost last year in the ACC. So, I mean, they won that game on the road, too. Should have beaten Florida State. We talked about that beforehand. Maybe if he wins that game, Manny, Manny isn't dismissed. But the bigger thing there is uh, the boosters, John Ruiz in particular. I mean, there is so much more money now behind this program. They're not going to lose uh, nil battles to anybody. They're doing it in both sports. They've done it in basketball. <clears throat> They're doing it in football, too. Talking about building a new stadium down near Coral Gables. You know, they've lost a little something, I think, going up to Hard Rock, to the Dolphin Stadium, uh, which is well north of Coral Gables. So uh, things are happening at Miami. They think Cristobal's the guy. He's a native of Miami. It seems a good fit. Um, but, man, he you're absolutely right. He is not inheriting a bare cupboard. I mean, this is a team that could end up winning its half of the ACC. It would be no surprise if if the Canes win the uh, Coastal. Always count on uh, Bruce Marshall to give the proper Spanish pronunciation of Cristobal. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, hey, I like Miami over, uh, Bruce. I am not thrilled. I think uh, Mario Cristobal will be a great fit long term. Uh, he's, he has shown that he can recruit. If he can recruit in Eugene, oh, he can recruit back where he has uh, way more ties uh, in some history. Um, he's getting some NIL uh, cooperation, but I'm not crazy about him and his game management. And one of the biggest, the biggest source of my opinion is the underutilization of Justin Herbert when he was uh, at uh, at Oregon. I mean, he he wouldn't. I mean, just he, he wanted him to hand off. This guy was so much bigger and stronger and faster. He was a great running threat and throwing the ball, and it took them to be down double digits in uh, Seattle in the fourth quarter before he let him throw it, and he led them to a comeback. But I do look at their schedule, and the over-under is 8.5. Miami is 8.5, and, and at A&M, they're 7.5-point uh, underdogs. They'll be underdog to Clemson. They can compete in those games, but the other ones – they're all favored and favored comfortably in 10 of the 12 games. I'll be very disappointed if Miami doesn't go at least 9-3. and three. I agree. The more I look at this, I think this could be an over to look at, over wins here, because like you say, the schedule isn't that overwhelming. They're in the right half of the uh, of the ACC to, to do some damage in the coastal half. Those two games where they would be a dog at, at A&M and Clemson are not, uh, not unwinnable. I also agree with you about Mario. I still think he has a little bit more to prove to us. 
uh, you know, and his old coordinator, Marcus Arroyo, who was there with Herbert, hasn't really distinguished himself at UNLV either for what that's worth. So I think they may have underutilized Herbert. So that does concern me a bit about Van Dyke. But really, you know, under most circumstances, Manny wouldn't have been fired after last year. They seem to be making some real progress down the stretch. A lot of it was Van Dyke. Defense, a lot of young, they had a lot of freshmen playing in defense by the end of the year. They were getting better. Those guys have experience now. So the pieces are there for Mario. They won't have any excuse if they don't get over nine, uh, eight and a half. I know, you know, first-year coach and all, but this is a little bit different. I mean, you're not coming in at Duke here. We'll get to Duke a little bit later. This is Miami. They've got some players. They've got some expectations. You've got an NFL quarterback in the future leading your offense. You yes, met, I think they can get eight and a half. Yeah, I like them uh, in the eight and a half. And, you know, as far as Clemson, I have my concerns about them. Everybody's ready to just – uh, put them back over there, back into the, you know, the the national championship picture. We'll talk about them a little bit later, but I think they can be competitive and maybe steal one of those games. But I like them uh, big time. And listen, they were so close, and now you have a complete spring, a complete August camp, preseason camp with him, with your reps, with the number ones. He was thrown in there with limited reps and did very, very well. Um, you mentioned Duke, Miami. Those are two of the four teams with first-year coaches, Virginia and Virginia Tech, the other two in the ACC. Anything of note with these first-year coaches in the conference? Well, uh, Tony, well, Mario is, is inheriting the best situation, obviously, with Van Dyke and, and with, a, with a decent, with a potentially really good team at Miami. Uh, Tony Ellett comes into Virginia from Dabo staff. He was his offensive coordinator there. Uh, he had a chance at the Duke job. He turned that down. He took the Virginia job instead. A lot of people were surprised when Bronco Mendenhall retired at the end of I the last season. Too. Yeah, uh, he got a little burnout there. They had the bowl game canceled because of the COVID back in, in late December. Uh, Brennan Armstrong put up huge numbers at quarterback. They, they ran a little bit too fast on their offense last year and look for Elliott to slow things down because they're, they're talking about balancing the offense a bit more. Uh, that oftentimes doesn't work, but he does have an established quarterback who put up huge numbers last year in Armstrong. That gives him a leg up, certainly, on Virginia Tech, which has got real offensive issues. They really dropped off the last couple of years for Fuente. A lot of people thought they should have made this move last year. Brent Pry comes in with experience there. He's a Bud Foster guy. But uh, that's defense, and the defense has dropped off in recent years, too, since Bud Foster retired. So that's a real reclamation project at Virginia Tech. I'm not sure they can get over that five-and-a-half Duke. Boy, it really fell off under Coach Cut. Mike Elko, nobody's expecting much early. Um, he inherits a defense that was one of the worst in the country last year. He is a defensive guy. Uh, they can't be worse, I don't think, than last year. But still, uh, three is asking a lot on, on, on the win side there for Duke. Uh, if they look anything like they did last year. I don't think they can be that bad. But um, of those coaches who came in new, uh, Mario certainly got the best situation by far. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. And actually, uh, at Bet Rivers got three and a half uh, with Duke. With the, um, let me see, uh, with uh, Virginia Tech, it's at six uh, at Bet Rivers. Virginia is at six. And I love Brendan Armstrong, but the way he's a little bit reckless and he takes some shots and he missed some time. Uh, the supporting cast is depleted, though. I mean, their roster suffered in the transition when Mendenhall sort of surprisingly left. And then it caught me by surprise. And, and listen, the Virginia Tech loss, 
Uh, I mean, one receiver by himself dropped like five passes. I mean, critical passes, including a couple of touchdowns, or they win that game. I love Armstrong. It's just him by himself uh, this year under their uh, first-year coach. I do want to talk about the king of the ACC, and that is Clemson, the team that is most built like an SEC team. And it starts when you talk about SEC teams that have really good um, – they win national championships. A lot of them have tremendous defensive lines. Well, guess what? Clemson has a nationally a national title contending defensive line. Shades of a few years ago, uh, the defense should be very good. Uh, Dabo, who had never been a coordinator himself, was was dubbed coordinator dependent. He's losing both of his coordinators this year. Very interested about Venables uh, going, you know, back to Oklahoma. But the other thing we talk about DJ Ongalalele a lot, Bruce. I don't see any Justin Rosses or Sammy Watkins at wide receiver on this team. I don't see, um, you know, Clifford Etienne, I mean, Etienne and uh, Spiller, you know, back there for in the backfield. I just, I know I don't see uh, the typical offensive line that Clemson has had. So I'm not so sure, and Clemson's at 10 and a half. I'm not sure if the supporting cast for DJU is like some of his predecessors, like, um, like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, listen, this is a triple-digit ranked offense last year, and uh, it shouldn't have been that bad. But uh, DJ, he was a lot more effective when he came in the previous year in the COVID season, late in the year when when uh, when Lawrence got hurt. I mean, he was a lot more effective in uh, in 2020 when he came in. Only, what, 10 TD passes last year? That's not good enough. The defense was fine last year. It might be like uh, George's defense a year ago, and it wasn't too far off of George's last season. They were really good, and they should be again. Uh, Thomas and Davis up front are probably are first-round picks. There may be four first-round picks in this Clemson defense into the NFL, but it's the offense, and the offense is working, and that's why they're talking. The offense hasn't been working, and Cade Cub, like the freshman quarterback out of Texas, is one that they've talked about maybe if, if DJ's struggles I mean they wouldn't hesitate to give clubbing he's one of the top rated recruits in the country it comes down to offense for them can they make some improvements there uh it was a bumpy ride last year um and I'm not sure they're going to Shipley by ever different sort of running back he's a you know up the middle up the gut sort of runner he's not bad but he's not the Etienne or Spiller types who were game game breakers that they had during uh, the Deshaun and Lawrence years I I I agree I agree nice back but you know, not not quite. And I just wonder if that window of opportunity, because with the NIL, Miami, it's going to help. A&M, it's going to help. Texas, it's going to help. You know, these type of uh, these type of guys. But I think the school that it hurts the most is the Clemson Tigers. They don't have that NIL budget like some of the others. Yeah, I, I think that's very true. And, uh, you know, we'll see. And, and you mentioned the Venables departure there. I mean, his personality, that was his defense. And uh, Dabo's, you know, uh, promoted from within uh, to take Venables' place. But that's one uh, coordinator spot that is going to be very, very difficult to fill. Paul Stone joins us right now, uh, along as we continue to uh, uh, preview the ACC. Paul, welcome aboard. One of the most respected college football handicappers anywhere around. We were talking about the Clemson Tigers um, it's not the one to eight to win the conference or one to nine. It's minus one twenty-five. Uh, but you uh, you have an opinion on Clemson and their chances in the ACC this year? Yeah, I really do. First of all, good to be with you guys. Uh, you know, first of all, I think everybody uh, you know has at the very least concerns about the quarterback position there at Clemson, and 
rightfully so. Uh, DJ Uyangale last year, after really, you know, having an impressive uh, fill-in showing in 2020 when Trevor Lawrence was out a couple of uh, games. He, he really played well in 2020, but last year uh, thrust into the starter's role. He obviously struggled against Georgia. The pick six was ultimately the difference in the game, and it just kind of snowballed from there. You know, it seemed like he consistently missed throws on all three levels, uh, ended up with a 9 uh, to 10 touchdown to interception ratio, Clemson only averaged 5.9 yards per pass attempt, which was 118th in college football. So he really struggled last year. So they certainly have quarterback issues. They have quarterback concerns. Uh, Dabo's made it pretty clear that their uh, true freshman from Austin, Texas, Kay Klubnik, uh, could be called into action, you know, if DJ struggles again out of the gate. But outside of that quarterback position, I like this Clemson, de- uh, this Clemson team and primarily because of that defense, and even more specifically, that defensive front four. Uh, It might not be Georgia good 2021, but it's certainly close. Uh, You have a number of five-star recruits, Brian Breesey, Xavier Thomas, Miles Murphy, guys who have lived up to that five-star billing, Tyler Davis, another guy who's played extensively and played well for Clemson. So this defense is I think it's the best in the nation. Some might argue that Alabama's better, uh, but I really like this Clemson defense. And in all fairness to Uyangale last year, certainly much of the blame lied with him, but he had young receivers. He had a lot of injuries at the receiver position. He had a young offensive line and an offensive line that quite frankly struggled as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops, how he comes out of the gate. But I think this Clemson team, I think it's a pretty safe bet to expect them to win the Atlantic division. And if they do win the Atlantic division and play the Coastal winner in the ACC championship game, certainly the money line equivalent is going to be stiffer or higher than minus 125. So I think, you know, at the Bet Rivers, I think we're seeing minus 125. There might be some plus 100 right. out there at different places. But I like Clemson at minus 125 to win the ACC title. Well, one of the teams that's getting a lot of run, and they beat Clemson last year in Raleigh uh, in overtime, but two ACC losses, one by one to Miami and by three at Wake Forest, both of those on the road, cost him their first trip ever to the ACC title game. And uh, then they also, nobody gets the screws more than NC State's athletic department with COVID. I mean, knocking them out of the College World Series, now knocking them out of the Holiday Bowl. And they've only won 10 games once back when Phillip Rivers were there. And it, those those losses, along with that cancellation of the Holiday Bowl right here in San Diego, cost them. Their total is 8.5. Now, it, it is juiced to the over at minus 167, but this is an over that I do like. Um, Bruce, we'll start with you. Um, man, the quarterback is outstanding. Third, Leary, 35-5 to 5 TD to interception ratio. Uh, this is a team that was 9-3 and three last year with a couple of close losses that might be better uh, this year. It's heavy juice. I get that. Your thoughts, first Bruce, on NC State. Well, it, it might be. You, you wonder now the expectations are higher for NC State. So he was flying a little bit under the radar last year talking about Dave Doran. And there had been a point not too long ago when he was really 
in some jeopardy with his job there. So he's pulled himself out of the fire uh, and, and out of trouble. Leary, you mentioned, put up huge numbers last year. This might be the best returning quarterback, at least stat-wise, in the ACC. But that defense has got almost everybody back. They were a top-20 defense last year. This is a solid team all the way around. And they were a little miffed still. Uh, it was UCLA's fault why they, they, they canceled that bowl game down in San Diego last year. Uh, they were ready to go. They wanted to play, and they did a whole practice. That was like the morning of the game that that got canceled. So everything's in place. The schedule's not too bad. Uh, that opener, East Carolina, is a little tricky, but uh, the schedule's set up for them. Uh, they get uh, Clemson still the first half of the season. They've got to go to Clemson this year. But this is a legit team. I mean, I've seen some eight-and-a-halves out there and some nines. Uh, they won nine last year. If, if you can find an eight-and-a-half, I would look over with NC State. Paul, this is also a defensive returns nine starters <laughs> from last year's team. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at uh, at NC State, uh, they're a team. The, my concern about the Wolfpack primarily is the fact that they face certainly not historic preseason expectations perhaps, but they're typically not ranked in the preseason top 15 as they are this year. So that's a little concerning. But on the positive side, you know, you look at the schedule, and it's not all that daunting. I mean, they do have the uh, trip to Clemson on October 1st. They do – uh, play at uh, East Carolina in their opener, which will be, uh, you know, a big game for the Pirates there. And they play Texas Tech in the non-conference. And then uh, late in the year, they close at Louisville in, in North Carolina. So I could only play the over, especially as Bruce said, if you do find those eight and a halfs in the marketplace. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when uh, a team is facing unprecedented uh, expectations, I kind of steer away from them. Devin Leary, as you said, clearly one of the uh, very best uh, quarterbacks, not only in the ACC, but all of college football. They do lose a left tackle uh, who was the sixth overall pick in the NFL draft. They lose their all-time leading receiver. So there are are some losses there on offense. But, again, when you look at uh, regular season win totals, so much of it relates to the schedule, and I do think they have a pretty favorable schedule. I got the favorite in 11 of the 12 games, only being a dog at Clemson. Is, it, is that what you have, Paul? Yeah, just kind of glancing at their schedule right now. You know, I, I don't see them being an underdog in any other game. I think really the only other possibility uh, would, for them to be an underdog would be at Louisville in their 11th game. I think the Cardinals, I've got some pretty, uh, you know, fairly high expectations for them. I think they could uh, – could be a surprise in, in the league. But that's the only other game, I think, in the regular season that they're perhaps going to be an underdog, and they're certainly likely to be a small favorite there as well. Maybe they can look uh, five miles down the road in Chapel Hill and see how expectations worked out for the Tar Heels last year, preseason top ten, and they finished with a losing record. Uh, Paul, let's stick with the Louisville Cardinals. And Malik Cunningham, um, we know he can run. Um, he had over a thousand yards rushing. He had a bunch of touchdowns. He did improve uh, his numbers. There is a lot of pressure on Satterfield uh, at uh, Louisville, and it's a little bit. He is the main criticism I hear of him is he's too transfer portal heavy, so he's having problems with continuity. As opposed, and I know it's a lower level at App State, they did a real good job in player development in you know, improving guys and playing senior guys. But at six, you said you have some expectations for them. Do you have an opinion on that win total? And what you're talking about at, the, at a number of six or a current number? Six. At six. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, they they obviously uh, last year they go uh, six and seven uh, on the year, I believe. What's interesting about this team, and maybe it's just who they are, but there might be some regression to the mean. In the last two seasons, uh, they've lost eight games by single digits. And the the margin of uh, loss in those games, 4.3 points per game, they are net seven, uh, negative seven in what we call net close losses, games decided by seven points or fewer. They are negative seven over the last two years. So all the close games or most of the close games have gone against the Cardinals. And, again, maybe that's who they are. Maybe there's a regression to the mean. But uh, as you said, the transfer portal, it, it can be kind of a mixed blessing, a double-edged sword, if you will. But they've, um, you know, they've been ranked pretty high based on transfer portal rankings and who they're bringing in. I would call Louisville a net winner in the transfer portal. Uh, they've got a wide receiver from Central Arkansas, Tyler Hudson, who at that FCS level put up some big numbers last year. Uh, they brought over Tyon Evans, a running back from Tennessee, who was injured last year but averaged almost six and a half yards a carry for the Vols. So this Louisville team, you know, I think they've got the, the pieces if they can put it all together and integrate some of these new players again from the transfer portal uh, to be one of the maybe top 15 offenses in all of college football, if their defense can be, uh, you know, just hold serve and be average, I think this is a team that could exceed that six-win total. So even though they have a pretty difficult schedule by ACC standards, you know, the only way I could go on the total with Louisville would be over. Three of their losses last year at the end of regulation, four points difference. Now they lost by six in overtime of with to Clemson. They had I think a, a, a gazillion snaps inside the ten at the end of that game, but lost by one at home to Virginia. Lost by three uh, at Wake Forest. The you know the uh, ACC uh, runner up. Uh, Bruce, you were in uh, Charlotte again for ACC Media Days. You mentioned already the pressure on Satterfield. You think he comes through? No. I don't think he does, um, and Paul might be right. It, it, he would have to have a, a breakthrough sort of a season. He's working for a brand-new AD. He's working for a new school president. That's a bad combination. They have they have underachieved a little bit in recent years. They are very Malik Cunningham-dependent. Now, he might be able to do it. I mean, this guy also rushed for over 1,000 yards last year and threw for almost 3,000. If something happens to Cunningham, this thing goes kaput. The schedule is backloaded. Uh, so that might buy him some time. But if they come in midseason, if they're 3-3 three and three or so and they're underachieving, listen, uh, the players know what's going on. We, we know what's nowadays with transfers and all that. The situation is fraught with peril because if they, they sense a change is coming, they're going to start shopping around early. Um, and it's all out there with Satterfield. He better win this year. And if he isn't winning big by midseason, I don't like the dynamics there. Paul might be right. By me, I'm a neutral uh, Cunningham, you know, he's Lamar Jackson light, and maybe not even that light. I mean, he puts up Jackson-like numbers. He's that sort of player. But I think there's a lot of peripheral things there that really keep me on the sidelines with Louisville. We talk about some coaches on the hot seat in the ACC, and I don't know if um, there's a bet I could make with first coach fired in the ACC or even in college football, but the most likely, and we all agree on this, is Jeff Collins at uh, Georgia Tech. This is a this is a schedule to get fired. Um, he kind of similar what um, Scott Frost in his first rec- uh, abbreviated recruiting class brought in Martinez. Martinez was a Tennessee commitment. He flipped to Frost and he had carte blanche 
and he started every game as long as he was healthy. Sims has been that guy for Georgia Tech, and he has not improved a whole lot. Got almost like a lot of marketing kind of, you know, row the boats type of stuff without the substance. Now they've gotten killed in the transfer portal, not just the high-profile transfer to Alabama in the running back, but the defense has been crushed as well in the schedule at Central Florida. Central Florida was undefeated at home last year in Orlando. Ole Miss is going to be a very good again. And, oh, yeah, the Georgia Bulldogs. Three and a half. Uh, Paul, I'll let you start. But all three of us, when I asked for some pre-notes, had Georgia Tech under three and a half. Yeah, this is one of my favorite win totals, uh, you know, out there on the marketplace this year. You mentioned Jeff Collins. You know, he's come in with a lot of unique ideas, a lot of unique marketing strategies, but so far it hadn't really translated into success on the field. Uh, In each of his first three seasons, they've won three games, and we get them at under uh, three and a half here. Reportedly, Georgia Tech has lost 16 players from last season's roster, and some of these were graduating, you know, they graduated or ran out, out of eligibility, but they've lost 16 players who started six games or more last year. That includes eight of their top 11 tacklers. Obviously, the most uh, notable uh, player exiting the program, Jameer Gibbs, who transfers to Alabama. People who maybe didn't see him at Georgia Tech maybe don't understand what a playmaker he is, but this is a guy who's going to make an immediate impact on the Alabama program. Had 750 yards rushing last year, caught 35 passes for 465 yards. Going to make a big impact on Alabama in the positive going to make a big impact on Georgia Tech's offense in the negative. Uh, They had only 12 scholarship linemen back in March during spring drills. Six of those freshmen are sophomores, so they're very young there. They averaged only 22 points a game last year against FBS opponents. You take Gibbs out of that offense, the offensive line, only 37 career starts. Again, very inexperienced. They're not going to average 22 points a game this year. They're going to average less than 20, in my opinion, Uh, They don't have any starters. Looking at defense now, they don't have any starters returning in the front four. They only have one starter returning in the back four. So at the first and third level of the defense, they're very inexperienced. Uh, I could go on and on. You just look at uh, a team that uh, plays, again, that non-conference schedule. They're going to UCF. They're going to Georgia uh, in that annual game. They host Ole Miss. So three of their four uh, non-conference games are almost certain uh, losses. They might be two and four. I think they play Western Carolina early, and that's a victory. They might be two and four about the midpoint of the season, but I can't find two more victories in those final six games. I like Georgia Tech to go under three and a half wins this season. Bruce, you like the Jackets under as well? Absolutely under. Um, and I think this is the one that could you could see a coaching change during the season. In fact, I asked a couple of the Georgia Tech guys down in Charlotte a few weeks ago, you know, did Georgia Tech, have they ever fired a guy during the season? Yes, they have. Bill Lewis came over from East Carolina in the early 90s, and, you know, he was sent packing in the middle of a season. This has not worked out. He turned out not to be a really good fit, and that, that figured to be a transition after Paul Johnson and the option. In fact, they, a lot of Tech people like to go back to something like that. They've talked about bringing Monken down from – from Army. Of course, he had been at Georgia Southern as well. So that's to be done, determined down the way. But this is one that could happen during the season. And if that happens uh, and there's a coaching change, you know, players start to network and start to look around. It's a bad situation. 
you guys are right. Paul talked about Gibbs. That is a big loss for them, but they've lost other guys through the portal, too. The portal has not been kind to them. This is one of the worst defenses in the country last year, too. Uh, and the coordinator is still back, Thacker, from defense last year. So not a lot of encouragement on the stop end, either. A lot of pressure on Sims, but he's never stepped up at quarterback the way they thought after that very first game. Remember, they won that one against Florida State a couple years ago. It's been all downhill since. 3-3-3. Three, three, three. Those are the win totals for, uh, for uh, Collins. I don't think he's going to be around a lot to get to three this year, so I think it's an under. All right. Um, you know, in the ACC, uh, at one point, I think you can make an argument that David Cutcliffe got the most out of uh, the least uh, in college football. Didn't end that well. He slid and they made a change. And I think he just sort of uh, deep into his career got got a little tired. But tell me who gets more out of least than Dave Clawson in Winston-Salem. They've been to six straight bowls. I mean, keep in mind their their stadium holds about 31,000 in Winston-Salem. You have academic uh, restrictions that reduces the pool of uh, players that could join. And they won 11 games last year. And what about Hartman? My goodness, how how fun is he to watch that RPO? Um, they were really, really exciting now. They didn't. Uh, they didn't play a, a ton of defense. They had some shootouts. Man, gave up uh, uh, what 40, 40 points. Uh, how many times last year defensively? It's going to be a lot of shootouts. But Hartman is back. Um, in I tell you, man, uh, eight and a half. We'll start with you. Uh, we'll start with you, Paul. But eight and a half. Now it is juiced to the under at minus one forty three. The Demon Deacons. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, Dave Clawson is, is one of those coaches. You know, we talk about coaches who do more with less uh, on one hand, and then there's other coaches who des- do less with more, and he's certainly in the former category. Uh, you look at that Wake team again last year, as you mentioned, won 11 games. They have Sam Hartman back at quarterback. Um, you know that defense, that that does kind of concern me. Uh, they ranked 84th last year in scoring defense, 83rd in yards per play, uh, 89th in total defense, and 106th in yard per rush. So, uh a very uh, suspect defense. They ranked 10th in the conference in both scoring and total defense. They averaged, did Wake Forest, that great offense, they averaged 38 points a game in their last six games last year. But averaging 38, they still only won three of them. So uh, that defense is obviously suspect. I found a stat that I find very interesting. Christian Bill Smith, one of the running backs last year, he's transferred out of the, out of the program. When Christian Bill Smith was in the on the field last year, they averaged more than one yard per play, more than they averaged when he was off the field. And you can kind of take that uh, as you will, but that's pretty significant to me. Uh, so, uh, you know, Wake Forest, again, their expectations being nationally ranked, that's not usually where they are in mid-August. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Um, you know, I expect some, uh, you know, there were plus nine in turnovers last year. Um, just a lot of things kind of pointing against the uh, Demon Deacons this year. It's difficult, though, to fade a coach like Dave Clawson, again, who does more with less, highly respected guy, a veteran quarterback. But if forced to uh, to make a play, I would probably take the low side uh, just based on the fact that their expectations are loftier uh, and that defense uh, you know, is a little bit uh, too much bend and break for my taste. Uh, Brucey, what was the talk on Wake Forest and Charlotte? 
Well, there's a lot of excitement there, and, and, and they have really invested in the program, and uh, Coach Clausen reminded everybody, he's a very sharp guy, you can tell that talking to him, um, but uh, the facilities they've got there looks like an NFL team now, and that might surprise some people, but they've made a real commitment there. Clausen knows he's got a good deal, he can win you know, seven, eight games there, they're not going to fire him, and he's got a chance to win more like he did last year, so he's set there, he's not going anywhere. Hartman is a great quarterback, um, you're right, Beal Smith uh, has left, but the other running backs are there. I think they'll figure that out pretty easily. And I like the schedule, too, and this is for a couple of reasons. One, the first half of the season, Clemson, uh, Wake Forest has generally started quicker. The depth issues sort of creep in later in the season, but they get Clemson early this year. They get Clemson in September. That was toward the end of the season last year when they were losing some steam. They were also involved, because that offense was so good last year, the teams playing against them played at an accelerated pace. So I think that's one of the reasons the defensive numbers look so so uh, so bad last year. Defense may not have been as bad as those numbers suggest. One other note, and Coach Clawson made this note, because I asked him about the Army game and the problems playing Army. He said he would rather have a week off after Army than before Army. And I asked him why. He said, well, because last year we had three to four more injuries in the Army game. A couple of guys were lost for the season. He said, we were never physically quite the same after we played Army. And you can look at it last year. That's when they started to have a little bit more trouble in the second half of the year. They get a week off after Army this year. They do get Army at home. They won that game against Army last year. But Coach Clawson says, you know what? Uh, That week off after playing Army is going to help us off uh, in the long run, help us out more than having the week off before playing them. I would have never guessed that watching that game last year. I mean, that was maybe, you know, Paul, you're in Big 12 country, but an Art Briles, uh, Mike Leach type of game. I mean, that was flag football, it seemed, in that game. I would have never guessed that that was a physical beating. We talk about uh, resources and, you know, resources. Well, it's fan support, it's budget, it's facilities. Isn't that funny, Bruce, that Wake Forest might have better resources? They certainly have better facilities than Florida State, and that's one of the reasons that Jimbo left. But all of the history that Florida State has, it's, you know, uh, here's Wake Forest winning 11 games and Florida State has back-to-back losing seasons. Uh, and and I'll, I'll start with you, Bruce, with Florida State because, we're, you know, in, in New Orleans, we're going to be, uh, it's right out the chute. Their LSU will open up with Brian Kelly's first game against the Seminoles. Seminoles get a, a trial run game first against Duquesne to kind of get some kinks out. Our buddy Nick Saban would remind us over and over: you get bet, you you get your biggest jump is from game one to game two, and a very small two and a half number uh, at Florida State catching against LSU. A note there: um, it's in New Orleans, but thirty thousand tickets allotted to Florida State, all of them have been sold. So they sold all of their allotment for the game. They will have a, I guess, about 30,000, 50,000 type of split as far as the fans are concerned. The over-under, the win total for the Seminoles uh, is 6.5, juice to the over at minus 143. Bruce, you first. Yeah, they might be able to get over that. Um, And you can understand the excitement. This is like a bowl game, which they haven't had in four years at Florida State, and and a decent bowl game longer than that. And it's Labor Day weekend, so obviously their fans are excited to get a trip to New Orleans and finally to to feel what it's like to get in a big bowl type of game. Um, But um, Norvell's under some heat. I mean, they haven't uh, turned this thing around the way Florida State fans would like to see it turned around yet. Uh, I think there's a chance they might make some progress this year. Most of the offensive front is back. Jordan Travis has a lot of upside at quarterback. We saw some of that last year. 
Um, they kept stubbing their toe, though, and they ended up, uh, you know, beneath, beneath 500. So that's not what they're expecting at Florida State. The talk about Dion is not going to stop. Uh, unless Norvell wins a lot. And he looked a little nervous to me down down in uh, Charlotte. A lot of pressure on that offense to get going. They have not been putting up numbers the way they used to. Defense improved a little bit as last season progressed. But I think the pressure is squarely on him. Now, we talked about the Collins and Satterfield really with pressure. Dino's got some pressure at Syracuse. So does Norvell. I mean, he, and he's got to deliver uh, pretty soon here. And I'm not sure he's going to win enough to satisfy them. And... Uh, he had better not lose to Duquesne in that opener. They lost a game to Jacksonville State last year. So, I mean, they should be on the alert, but um, they can't afford to overlook anybody this year. Paul, some people think that Norvell is on a mild, uh, you know, kind of on the right track, uh, so to speak. Sure, it's not that's not Florida State standards, you know, back-to-back losing seasons, but um, maybe the transfer portal is not maybe that that those pro defensive fronts that we're used to, but they are improved a little bit. Your thoughts on the Seminoles this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, Mike Norvell, obviously, since he's come over from Memphis, this is his third season. It's been a little bit of a rocky start. Uh, they started 0-4 last year. They lose to Jacksonville State uh, as one of those opening four losses, but they did win five of their last eight games last year. Uh, three of those victories over eventual bowl teams. Uh, they were the only team to beat Miami, Florida in the second half of the season last year. And they also, they were within a score of both Clemson and North Carolina State in the fourth quarter of both of those games and actually led late on the road against Clemson. So this is a team I'm really intrigued by Florida State. These regular season win totals can uh, fluctuate greatly. Uh, I actually, even though I'm, I'm kind of a little bit bullish on Florida State, I took them to go under seven and a half at minus 165. It's been a couple of months ago when these numbers came out. So that's that number's long gone. Uh, but this is a team, again, the transfer portal's been, I think they're net winners in the portal. They had Winston Wright at wide receiver who comes over from West Virginia. The uh, linebacker from UCF, Tatum Bethune, he'll make them better on uh, defense. Um you know, it, it's, uh, it's a team, I think, like a lot of teams. They also had the defensive end from uh, Albany, uh, from the FCS level, Jared Vance, who's put up big numbers there. You never know how those guys are going to make the transition to big-time power five football, but he, did, uh, he was a, a much um, sought-after transfer out of Albany. So uh, a good addition there as well. So the way they closed last year um, – you know, I've got some. I could see him going either way. Like you said, they do get the one-game head start on LSU. That that's one of my most anticipated games of Week One. Them playing uh, LSU there at the Superdome uh, on that Sunday night, the first Sunday in September. Uh, a lot of games that they play, like a lot of teams in the ACC, they're going to have a lot of games. It looks like they're going to be lined between the fours from negative four to plus four. So a lot of games winnable. A lot of games also losable. Um, you know, I'm kind of wait and see on them, but I have some optimism. It's going to be interesting to uh, to see how their season transpires. And like you say, there's a lot of people, especially in this new age of college football where things are a little bit different, who are clamoring for uh, uh, Deion Sanders to take over the program and, and be the new man in charge. So that's another uh, layer of, uh, you know, uh, difficulty for Coach Norvell should he struggle a little bit out of the gate. But I'm, I'm interested in seeing – uh, what Florida State brings to the table this season. 
Yeah, uh, Paul, you mentioned uh, you know a lot of 50-50 games uh, for Florida State this year, including that LSU opener. You were in Las Vegas when uh, Chris Andrews and the folks at the South Point released this number, and it was it was a lot higher. It's been bet down. Uh, it was uh, like six, six and a half. Uh, it's uh, at Bet Rivers. If you do like the Tigers, that's the best number. I see a lot of threes, but at Bet Rivers, it's two and a half. What's your thoughts on that line coming down considerably uh, and money coming in on Florida State? You know, even though I said I'm a little bit bullish on Florida State, I, I did play LSU minus two um, earlier. So, okay. I, you know, it's it's a um, – I'm I'm not in agreement with the move. Uh, I think I think six was too high uh, at that opener. But uh, at the same time, you know, LSU playing a uh, – virtual home game there at the at the Superdome and I think this could be an LSU team uh, as well that could be quite improved so uh, I, I don't agree with the move and I don't really I'm, I'm not one of these guys who puts a ton of I certainly don't ignore line moves but I, I don't put a ton of uh, emphasis on which in many in most cases which way the number goes the the public or the sharps or whomever they're right half the time wrong half the time yeah. Uh, so, uh, in to surmise, uh, all three of us are bullish on Georgia Tech uh, under three and a half. That schedule is, Im- I-, I think, it's an impossible task uh, for that roster and schedule uh, to survive for Collins. There, Bruce, you had Georgia Tech. You had under Virginia Tech at six. It looks like their new coach Brent Pry is uh, is kind of pretty bare cupboard uh, in uh, Blacksburg. Uh, Bruce, anyone that have missed. Uh, we, I think you wanted to mention Boston College and Jerkovic uh, missed eight games last year. The Notre Dame transfer, he's one of the quality quarterbacks in this ACC in this 2022 season. Uh, he's an NFL possible first-round pick at quarterback. I mean, he's big and he can move. Now he's got to stay healthy. Like you said, he missed much of last season, and they weren't the same offense without him. Uh, but they still qualified for a bowl. They didn't get to play in the game because of COVID. But, I mean, this, they still got there. I think Halfley's got things together a little bit more, uh, a little bit more established. And he, yeah, that's the other thing. You, you pointed this out earlier. To get beyond the two COVID seasons we've had and the disruptions we had and the no spring football in a lot of cases and, and summer camp and disruptions in the schedule, now you've got these programs that now have had a full off season. Key here is to keep Jerkovic healthy. Garwo's a very good running back. Uh, the schedule's not that daunting. Um I could see BC making a run over if you can get six and a half. I think this is a team seven or eight wins, definitely. All right. Uh, and, Paul, uh, you like Clemson minus 125 to win the ACC. Much, much, much uh, shorter price than it was uh, last year. You like under Georgia Tech three and a half. Uh, over Louisville. You like uh, Louisville uh, over six. Uh, yeah, over six. Um, the lay in minus 155 at Bet Rivers, and you had that opinion on Florida State. I know you came in midstream. Anything that I'm missing that you like here in the ACC? You know, and just, uh, you know, Bruce was talking about Boston College, and not to refute, I like Phil Jerkovic, but last year this Boston College team had 125 career starts returning on the offensive line. Obviously, Boston College synonymous with great offensive linemen in college football. They had one returning starter coming back, probably the best offensive guard in all of college football, Christian Mahogany. He's out for the year. Boston College's offensive line returns four total starts. So they went from 125 um, 
offensive line starts last year to only four this year. And I worry if Jerkovic has enough help on that offensive line because these guys are not only um, not returning starters, but they haven't played a whole lot of football. little bonus here. Hopefully this is all right. That opener against uh, Rutgers on September 3rd, I've also played much because of that offensive line under 49 in that game. All right. Uh, in any individual games, uh, Paul, that you're looking at uh, that involved ACC teams early that you have an opinion on? Or may have already placed a bet. Well, I've played uh, that uh, played that under uh, forty nine that I just mentioned. Um, I've played LSU as I. What game was that? That that was uh, the the Rutgers Boston College season opener. I've played. I think okay. it's under forty nine or under forty nine and a half. Okay. I've also played as I previously mentioned uh, LSU minus two over Florida State. Um, just looking here real quickly. Number no longer. I, I, I think this side has gone up, but I played Clemson minus 19 over Georgia Tech. Also played that game under 52, which has gone down from that. But I don't. I think Clemson beats Georgia Tech. It's kind of their their nine correlated, but I think Clemson beats Georgia Tech by more than 19 points. But I can't see Georgia Tech scoring 14 points against that Clemson defense. So I also took the under. Right. All right, uh, the three games that I like in the two overs and one under, but I love the quarterbacks at NC State and Miami. I'm going uh, Miami over eight and a half. They, I have them favored in 10 of the 12 games. They can be competitive in College Station at Clemson. They'll be underdogs. Seven and a half is what you're looking at uh, in College Station. I think the Jimbo's crew may be just slightly inflated there. And NC State uh, be favored in 11 of the 12 games. Um, some of their road games are not so tough at Syracuse, at Louisville, at North Carolina. I like NC State and uh, the quarterback. I think they'll handle the expectations. And, of course, we're all on the under uh, with Georgia Tech. We'll be talking uh, college football with Bruce and, and Paul all year long. For Paul Stone, for Bruce Marshall, I'm Jimmy Ott. It's Sports Better's Paradise, our ACC preview on the Bet Rivers Network YouTube channel.